The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, I wanted to talk to you guys about the MLB Roto Baller Challenge, hosted by our friends at Fantrax on Fantrax.com. Fantrax is the most customizable free fantasy baseball platform in the industry, and that's why we're hosting over our 2022 Roto Baller Challenge over on Fantrax. If you want the greatest fantasy experiments, sign up for a free Roto Baller Challenge team today by going to rotoballer.com backslash challenge. All leagues are free to join, and you get to compete against Roto Baller writers and readers for a shot at $500 cash grand prize. All new Fantrax users get entered into a free giveaway to win a signed official MLB Wander Franco jersey. If you want to get entered to win a Wander Franco jersey and you're new to Fantrax, go to Fantrax.com backslash Bubba and sign up for your free Fantrax account today. Once you have your Fantrax account, go to rotoballer.com backslash challenge to join the challenge league. But go to Fantrax.com backslash Bubba to create your Fantrax account. Be entered to win a Wander Franco autographed jersey. But for now, welcome to Benched with Bubba. everybody to another episode of benched with bubba episode 452 got a fun one for you guys tonight with uh fantasy baseball draft season ramping up we have spring training games actually on tv right now so we're about you know three weeks away from opening day give or take maybe a little less than three weeks away so we are going to get some nfbc veterans in here to chat it up to get uh, your mind right for draft season and uh, to maybe if you've been doing dcs or best balls or whatever to kind of get you focused on where things are moving, how things will be different in FBC with injuries and all the other good craziness that's going on, and then just some draft strategy and open, fun conversations in the fantasy baseball world to help me do all this fun stuff. First up, a friend of the show. I've uh, been on the show a few times now. You can find him on uh, good old Twitter at Pile of Dial. Mr. John Fish, how are we doing, my friend? 
I am doing fantastic. I'm still trying to recover from this Kenley news. Um, I got my Badgers on uh, TV right now. So, um, yeah, I got a lot going on, and I'm uh, really excited to be here again. Beautiful, beautiful. And a, a second-time guest of the show. I had a blast talking to him about a month or so ago, and I we said right afterwards we'd do this again. I thought this would be a fun way to chat it up some more as we get ready for draft season. You can find him on Twitter at the underscore guilds. Guilds, how we doing, my friend? Doing well, Bubba. Thanks uh, for the invite. Appreciate it. And uh, looking forward to uh, talking shop. Yep, yep. And like I told these guys, and there's we have an outline, but it's kind of an open deal. So we're just going to kind of bounce around all over the place, have some fun for an hour, hour and a half, whatever, and uh, and, and see where it goes for fantasy baseball-wise. But Fish mentioned it. We kind of tried to not talk about it off the air. We kept saying stuff the whole time, like, just save it for the air. Kenley Jansen is an Atlanta Brave. And I don't know about you guys, but I always had my money on the Dodgers. I was shocked by this, or at least some team that needed a closer. We thought Will Smith was the closer. This was bizarre. So, Fish, I know you have some Will Smith shares. So I'm going to start with you on this one. How are you? Uh, how's this this whole Kenley Jansen situation in Atlanta sitting for you? Yeah, it's crazy because Kenley was, you know, a fairly decent target for me. Um, I always thought that he was going to close no matter where he signed. Um, but yeah, Will Smith, uh, I was off like early in draft season, and the more I looked into it, I'm like, man, he was actually really good in the playoffs. He's like, seems like he's pretty much locked into the role. Um, and yeah, and. Uh, <laughs> Not anymore. Um, so I had to quick scramble, see how many shares I have of each. I got four shares of Will Smith, which isn't too bad, but I got him in one of my bigger leagues, which is not good. And I have seven shares of Kenley. So, again, though, I wasn't really too worried about Kenley. I thought he was always going to be a closer no matter where he went. The thing that shocks me the most is it's a one-year deal. Mm-hmm. And I can't believe that he didn't go back to L.A. on a one-year deal. I thought for sure if it was going to be a one-year deal, he would go back to L.A. And if it was a multi-year deal, he would actually end up um, somewhere else, but with it being a one-year deal and being in Atlanta, I was I'm pretty shocked about that. Yeah, it's actually 16 mil. He's almost basically getting a qualifying offer when you look at the grand scheme of things. So it's not like he uh, took an ex- extraordinary amount of money. He basically took the the minimum for what he's supposed to be getting. Um, Guilds, what's your take on this uh, Kenley in, in, in Atlanta now? And I guess we got to assume he is the guy, and Will Smith now um, second fiddle, right? Yeah, no, Kenley's the closer. He wasn't going to sign there if he wasn't guaranteed that that closer role. So, yeah, I mean, Will Smith, I mean, that's I mean, that's a wasted pick right now. I mean, that's an end of a draft kind of guy. Um, I'm shocked, too. He went to Atlanta. That's not the team I thought he, you know, I thought Phillies before Atlanta, you yeah. know. So I have some Neville shares that uh, I'm still kind of nervous, nervously waiting for the, the shoe to drop there. So uh, I think Kimbrell's like the last guy now to, to really ruin that party, but. Yeah, I think Kenley's is a lock, you know, top five option again, right, right on the map. So, yeah, I mean, it's upsetting for for Will Smith. I wasn't avoiding him at all. Nobody should have. So it's just kind of one of those bad luck situations, you know. Yeah, definitely a bad luck deal. And uh, when you look at it, um, six, seven. Uh, I mean, he was going round eight, six. He, yeah, he six, was seven. he was the ninth closer off the board in OCs in the month of March at pick eighty five, basically. Yeah, that, um, that's a rough pick to to lose this early. No, that's Kinley Jansen. I'm talking about Kinley Jansen. Oh, okay. Uh, Will, Will Smith was Will Smith was the eleventh guy going to pick eighty eight. So yeah, right, right next to him. Yeah, he's yeah. right. He's right because it went Jansen, Romano, Smith, almost back to back to back based yep. on ADP. So I'll let both of you guys answer this. With uh, in the month of March, like I said, Jansen's ADP was eighty-five. Where do you think it settles now that, like, say, when we hit main event weekend next week in Vegas? 
for me, I would I would take him over Presley. Um, I think I actually would have taken him over Presley in the first place, but now this pretty much solidifies it going to the Braves, a really good team. Um, so yeah, I always thought he was underpriced in the first place. So I think he will definitely jump into that range with with Presley and Diaz and those guys. It's around fifty four, fifty five. What about you, Guilds? Yeah, I think so too. I think even above. I mean, I would. But Klaus, I mean, not only that, he's got one of the best setup men in the game right now, Will Smith. So <laughs> he's going to get a lot of leads, uh, you know, for that ninth inning. So, yeah, I mean, his stock is going to soar right now. I could see him going into, you know, right into that Diaz territory and OCs and DCs and whatnot, you know, right on a four or five range for closers. I guess the flip side of this one, because I know I wasn't the only one that thought this, but there were still some, you know, a, a, a large majority that figured there's a good chance Kenley goes back to LA. Well, this pretty much opens the door for Blake trying and given Dave Roberts said um, on Thursday, I believe that there'll be multiple guys closing games type deal, but I think he's got to say something along those lines. It should be trying his job for the most part. He's got an ADP of 156 right now. So guilds, how much would you bump him up? <sighs> yeah. I mean, there's still part of me that, you know, I don't want to buy in fully on trying I, I don't know. Um, I mean, he's definitely – he's going to get a huge bump. I just – you know, I still wouldn't take him over the Romanos, um, obviously Kenley, in that second tier of closers. Maybe he's right after those guys where, you know, I'd bump him ahead of Neville. Now nah, he was going behind uh, mm-hmm. well, Neville. I'm saying Neville. Um, yeah. So, right, probably right in front of front, front of that range, but behind, like, yeah. the, the second tier of closers. What about you, Fish? Yeah, he's definitely going to get a bump up for sure. Um, I don't know how much. If I think, I think there's still maybe an outside shot that the Dodgers could trade for Kimbrel. Mm-hmm. If Kimbrel goes mm. somewhere else, though, I think that Trinan is going to shoot way up. I think he's almost up in that same range as Kenley will be uh, with like Diaz. I think he'd jump all the way up there. I, I really do. He's, I mean, his. His numbers are like were amazing. Like he's a he's an elite pitcher. You're looking at the Dodgers um, with their offense. Their how many games they're going to win? I think it's uh, I think he's going to shoot way 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 up there next to Diaz, Class A, and that crew. Yeah, I, I kind of would imagine he goes right behind them, maybe around like the 70s, give or take. Would be kind of yeah. where I'd imagine him jumping into, especially in these uh, bigger dollar leagues where guys want to just lock in their saves per se. Given there's two. If like you guys have mentioned it, I know a bunch of other really smart people have. Is it seems like you're either all in or you're all out. You're either going for like two closers early, or you're like I'm going to speculate closers. I could say it's the kind of a an either or type situation. Um, well, so there's like it, there's like clear tiers. I feel like with the closers so far, like Romano and uh, Gallegos are like together packaged, right? So I think he's training will probably jump both of those guys, but in between. Diaz and Classe and that group as well. So that's fair. It'll be real, really interesting to see where it goes uh, next weekend in Vegas when uh, kind of hopefully by then we have Kimbrell news. That'd be great because we got some time there and let the dust settle. Like I, I was telling somebody that I'm like doing a couple more little kind of just things to keep my mind drafting, but I'm waiting to kind of dig in like till next week or so. Hopefully most of the news is out and about and we can kind of start really getting serious. But There'll always be something. Someone will get hurt or something, but that's just that's just the breaks. Um, just some quick stuff here. They, I don't think there'll be too much new info on this, but 
either of you guys really excited about Stephen or uh, Stephen Voigt going to um to the to the Padres? Luke Voigt, sorry, Luke Voigt going Luke, to the Padres. Yeah. I don't know why I thought Steve. I saw Steven on TV. Luke Voigt going to the Padres. Anybody? I mean, I, it doesn't gonna, do much gonna, for me. Is he going to DH? I guess that's the question. Like Cosmer's still there, unfortunately. Yeah. Ugh. I don't yeah. love it. I mean, I wasn't on Voigt at all. I mean, he's going to get more playing time, obviously, but. Yeah, I mean, I'm not targeting him. Maybe as like a late corner infielder, you know. I don't know, yeah. Fish. What do you What do you think? I I do like Void actually. I mean, it's it's just a it's the injury issue, right? Like that's kind of the that's that's the issue with him. Like he's uh, the health, uh, but I think he's totally worth the risk where he's going. I mean, yeah. he just led the majors in home runs in the short season, right? So it's like this guy has power, and then for whatever reason, last year the Yankees always wanted to play Brett Gardner over him drove me insane but yeah uh Luke Luke Voigt uh he was a target for me I think he's going to be getting guaranteed playing time now whether it's at DH or first base yeah I'm I'm I hope his price stays down where it is it probably will go up a little bit but yeah I've uh I've been in on Voigt kind of from the from the from the start yeah, they the Padres do need some help. Like I know he's not going to ever replace Fernando Tatis Jr. Don't get me crazy there, but they're going to need some pop in that lineup. So ADP at two seventy five at least could be interesting. I'm I'm not really in on him right now, but I can see an argument at that point in the in the draft for maybe taking a shot if if you need some pop. Uh, another guy that's usually not a, a guy that people are running to go draft, but maybe in a fifteen team main event style league, he might be of interest. Michael Pineda decided with the Tigers, and we know there's ups and downs with Pineda. But um, that's a great location to go throw in. Um, I guess in your deeper leagues, does he have any interest in you, Fish? Uh, no, not really. <laughs> Yields? <laughs> no, I've, I've okay. never been a Pineda guy. Even Perfect. back on the Yankees, the Twins, I was just uh, – yeah, just never was a guy that I could trust. It was, you know, he'd have his moments, you know, some stretches where he was decent and then just would follow it up with blow-ups and, you know, just got yeah. that Pavetta vibe for me. It'd be you nice know. if you could strike guys out. It'd be really nice, that Pavetta vibe. Yeah, Pavetta's yeah. a guy that's like everybody's little dark horse this year, which is pretty wild. So I'm assuming you're out on that, guilt. I mean, I have a couple shares, just, you know, um, I wasn't happy about selecting him but i mean he's a he's an arm in these dcs you know in a range where he's going the case should be there you just kind of kind of close your eyes every time he's on the mound yeah. and, and just pray yeah, just <laughs> pray gets you like, at least a caper nine and just doesn't get yeah, destroyed just go like five innings four earned you know six or seven k's i would take that every pivetta start <laughs> you you on team pivetta there fish yeah, I, I had a ton of shares last yeah, year. I, I, I've jumped on a lot of them too, so that's what I was wondering. What, are you on them this year, though? Um, I I do have some. Yeah, I mean his K rates there. He's pitching for a good team, so like it's just one of those things. Kind of like Gilds was saying. Like I remember last year, I'd be like, "Come on, just get through the fifth inning and then get out. Like <laughs> get out. Like don't come back off of the sixth. Refuse to come back off of the sixth, even if they try yeah. to send you back out." Yeah, I mean, his, his K, K rate's there, and he's pitching for a good team, so it's going to be, you know, a lot of opportunities for wins. You know, it's one of those guys that I don't want to rely on every week, but if he's got a two-start week, it's, you know, some decent matchups, it's, that's uh, that's where I like to play those kind of guys. For sure, for sure. Uh, let's talk about some recent news with some big names that will definitely have an effect come uh, as these drafts uh, crank up here. 
I don't want to kind of get your guys' thoughts for people that have seen uh, kind of movement in ADPs in uh, NFEC big money drafts from time to time. We'll start with Fernando Tatis Jr. Obviously had the wrist injury, had surgery a couple days ago. It's probably about a three-month give-or-take window on what's going to go on before he can probably even really be ready to rock and roll. And when you look at uh, the month of March when it comes to Tatis Jr., he has an ADP of – it's dropping quick, folks. I love this. Um, wow, he's dropping real quick. Where did he just go? Tatis. I just looked at him yesterday. It wasn't this bad. This is fun. Uh, Tatis Jr. He's down to the ADP at 23 now uh, in the month of March. He's gone as low as 99th overall. Uh, Guilds, where would you be comfortable taking Fernando Tatis Jr.? I'm actually surprised he's going as high as he's been going. You know, he's yeah. still going in the fourth, fifth round in these OCs for the most part. Um, mm-hmm. I can't take him that high. I mean, he might, you know, as much as I love him, I mean, he's like, you know, you're looking at two months, maybe three, you know, missed. That's a long stash, you know. So, I mean, I'd take him 60s, 70s, even later maybe, and he's not going to last there. So, I won't have much of him, I guess. What about you, Fish? Uh, yeah, I'm not going to. He's just kind of completely off my board now. I'm, yeah. I'm not going to do any more DCs, I don't think. Maybe one more. I would consider him there just because you have those such deep benches. So you have to be cognizant. Like, if you do take him, knowing that you might might be without him for three months, you know, who knows? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, in a fab league, I'm completely off my board. He isn't somebody that I was really targeting in the first place, though. I think just the, the shoulder issue has is always kind of made me a little bit nervous. I do have two shares, but it's because he dropped a sixth one time, and then uh, I took him at fourth and another one. But, yeah, he, he was someone that was kind of off of in the, in the first place. I know yeah, Gilds, I, Gilds likes him. Yeah. <laughs> or I, did like him. <laughs> I have a 101 share so, in Hanski, oh. so that, that one's going to sting a little bit, but, yeah. <laughs> that's just that's just one of those crappy ones though it's like this injury happened how long ago and we had to wait because of stupid lockout for this to like news to come out that's that's just one of those where it's just it's garbage absolute garbage yeah, that yeah. Know. it was funny i was messaging with waxman and i'm like uh here i was all excited to draft tatis at the 101 i'm self high-fiving i'm drinking beers i'm you know i'm just ecstatic <laughs> meanwhile he's sitting at home he's got ice on his wrist yep He's, you know, he's got a broken wrist, and here I'm taking him first overall in the draft. It's like, yeah. can you let us know this information? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and the, the weirdest part was, it's like you have to be a hardcore detective, like Doctor Dave or something, to figure this out. But um, he's like usually a pretty good, like big time Instagram guy, and he was, was early early in the off season. And now that I think back on it, there's a window where he just disappeared. Because there was a long time he'd doing he'd be doing like you know BP videos, or he'd be at like a party with friends. And then he just went like radio silent for like a month. And I'm sitting there going, if I really focused on shit like that, which I don't because I don't expect <laughs> stuff like that. It's like if you think back on it, you're like, huh, why isn't he on Instagram right now? What's he doing? But uh, I, maybe I'm thinking too much about this. But it's just one of those things because he was doing it all offseason. Like him, Acuna, all these dudes were doing it. And then it just stopped. <laughs> well, it's just crazy. Like- so I was going to say, why, why didn't he like get the surgery then right away? Because like, he probably has to have the team's doctors, and he can't use the team's doctors until the lockout's over. Yeah. That's God, my that's guess. Crazy. Let me ask you, Gills. So you took him 101 in our OC that we did, or the only yeah. one that I've done so far. Is he a drop for you? Or no, you no, no, no. Yeah, I held on to uh, Bobby Witt until September last year. Uh, okay. <laughs> 
So, you know, I think that's a little overrated too. I mean, we could talk about that with the stashes. I mean, you can't have too many in these OCs, but you can still get by with one or two. Anything more than that, you know, you're playing with playing with fire. But I know people are like super nervous to take, you know, uh, you know, a prospect and stash him or even a guy that's injured. I'm like, if you get the right price on that guy, you know, I, I drafted Bauer in almost every one of these OCs. Like, if there's enough upside, I'm willing to take that risk. And uh, I feel comfortable enough to where I can maneuver, you know, in season and just, you know, I'll pick up guys that have that multi, multi-position multi uh, uh, on my bench. So I'm able to plug in, you know, that takes away one bench spot for offense and kind of just play that way. Um, but, yeah, I'm okay stashing. I know I think most people a, are not comfortable doing that. I don't mind it. <laughs> I think it's a big point you mentioned there because, like, yeah, you can always stash probably at least one guy. Like you said, you could do two. You're you're comfortable with your roster construction, unlike probably a lot of people are. So that helps. But the the key thing I think you mentioned there is, you know, in DCs we focus heavily on those multi position guys. Where maybe in an OC mm-hmm. or a main we don't care as much because we're churning and burning, and they're valuable for sure. But it's not like the same value. But if you're stashing a guy, now that makes sense because now you need to. I like basically use multiple roster spots in theory, like you were saying. So that's a good point. Like you're talking there, uh, fish. Are you, a, are you a stasher or no? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, the reason I asked Gilds, I was, I'm trying to get some information if he's going to drop him in the league. As I was looking to pick him up. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> no, yeah, it, it's drop <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. You definitely can't. Uh, in a 12 team league, I'm perfectly fine with stashing uh, one or two guys. There's the, the waiver wires usually you get some guys on there. It's got to be an elite talent while you're stashing, in my opinion. Like you and I too, when, I, when I'm when I'm drafting, I'll you know I'll monitor that too. If I'm taking a Bauer or something, where I want to grab a Josh Rojas or you know um, somebody that has that flexibility, where I'm able to kind of limit my bench spots in that you know in that respect so um yeah just looking for for those little edges and uh you can manage you don't want to do more than two but i mean i feel like i could still play with two less spots essentially you, you mentioned bobby wood jr are you in this year now it looks like it looks like there's a good chance he's starting out the year with them uh, by based on early practices and even the first game it's wet at third um alberto at short lopez at second uh, Santana at first and Whit in the outfield. So we might actually get, or, I mean, uh, Whit Merrifield in the outfield. Let me clarify. There's two Wits. Yeah. Uh, so Bobby Whit looks like he might start the season as a third baseman. Yeah. I'm, I love Whit. Um, I'm always, well, when he's there and I need a shortstop or, or even any, any kind of speed deficiency, I see. I'm definitely, he's going around pick what, 90, 95 around there. Yeah. I think he's starting to climb. Let me check for you here. Uh, I mean, he's yeah, a guy. yeah, pretty much. Yeah. He might hit 240, but he could go 30, 30 also. So that, that's the kind of profile I don't mind, especially in these overalls. It's like, you know, people are kind of scared off again with, with, they're not sure if he's going to be up there day one. And then, you know, you know, what kind of batting average he's going to give you. But to me, I'm, I'm looking for the power and speed and batting average is fluky some years too, you know? So you never know. For sure. Uh, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. He's absolutely a target for me. Let's go to Ronald Jr. Be- real quick um, and, and talk about this one because they're saying April 21st is when they hope he DHs. And they're saying May 21st, they hope he's in the outfield. And they use the word hope. 
on both of these. Like it's not a it's not a set in stone thing. Things can move forward. Things can move backwards. Uh, it makes you think if he can't play the outfield right away, he probably isn't stealing a whole lot of bags. Just my two cents. Maybe I'm over analyzing this situation. He's going. He's gone as high as pick five now. He's ADP's around nine. As high as five in these March OCs. So, Fish, are you uh, are you liking Acuna? Are you liking him more now with this news? Like, what's your thoughts on Acuna as we head into the the, the heart of draft season? No, I'm still out. I'm still out in the first round for sure. That's just a little bit. If he can't play in the field until what May 21st, then why why would they have him stealing bases if he can't play the field yet? Like the, I don't know. It, to me, he's just uh, it's too big of a risk. I mean, it's what eight and a half months since his surgery. I know is like opening day or whatever. That's just it's too soon. I, I, why would they? Why would they have him running right right away? I mean, right. what? What? I don't know what to expect for a stolen bases. Ten, maybe. That's what I'm thinking. Ten, fifteen, if you're lucky. That's kind of where yeah. I'm. That's where I'm at. I'd be. I'd be happy with over fifteen. Let's put it that way. What yeah. What are your thoughts on this one, Guilds? Yeah, I'm with Fish on this. It's I've felt this way the whole draft season. It's like I, I don't get the first round love for this guy. I understand, you know, obviously the talent is insane, but when I saw that blurb, you know, DHing until end of May, they're hopeful he could play. End of, I mean, like you said, uh, you can't expect him to run much if he's not playing the field. He's I can't imagine he's going to be stealing bases. So, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I, and they're going to protect. He's the franchise. They're not going to want him running. You know, yeah. just he's still going to have good numbers. Don't get me wrong. I just don't see the stolen base upside to take him that high in a draft right now. To me, give, give me Tucker easy. Yeah. Even Luis Robert, I would take over yep. Acuna. So when I see him go eight, nine, even higher, in draft, I'm like, I want no part of that right now. Yeah, Lou Bob is one I I think does. He's moving. Lou Bob's moving up in drafts, but I still don't think he's getting the love he deserves. I think. Nah. I think people are kind of looking back on the injured Lou Bob last year, and he's. I know, and we got to watch with spring training talk because everyone thinks they're in best shape of their life and all this stuff. But you know, when he had the interview, and you look at his numbers, and if you like, if you dig into like the speeds and all that stuff, it makes sense when he said, "I just wasn't running because of my injury." Like flat out, like I want to run this year. It makes sense with a guy like that. Now he could just be, you know, BSing us, but it made sense to me, and I already liked him before that, so it's kind of vindicated me. But uh, I think Lou Bob could be that uh, upper first round talent next year personally when we're talking draft season i don't know if you guys agree on that one or not yeah i definitely agree absolutely yeah he almost I mean, last night in the oc i was in he almost i was uh he felt like 20 or something nineteen twenty. i was sitting at pick three i'm like i took cole in the first i'm like is it is gonna let him fall oh, man and then he two picks before me i think he went but uh yeah even even harper too i'm like i would take harper over yep. Acuna. Easy, and you don't really see him go ahead of him in his draft. So, yeah, people just hate on Harper because they act like he doesn't run, but he he'll get you. He'll sneak you in like ten bags or so. Like he will. Like he'll <laughs> he'll make and he's a great batting average. Like there's nothing wrong with Bryce Harper to me. But yeah, we'll see. All right, Fish, I got one for you here, Jacob Degrom. This one's just <laughs> baffling. Like I uh, I I tweeted it out before the first day he reported to camp. I'm like, people are going to see videos and his ADP is going to rise. Well, that happened because he comes strolling and strutting his stuff. Then the next day he throws a bullpen and you're like, oh, velocity is good. And the ADP continues to rise. I still want to see so much more. I'm still scared to death to touch him. I understand like a half a season of DeGrom basically was still the best pitcher in baseball last year. But are you in or out on him, Fish? Because he's he's his ADP over the last week since spring training started is a first-round pick. 
Yeah, no, I'm still out. Because, I mean, if I was going to be out before, I can't be yeah. out now. Or I can't be in now, right? Because the price is going to be higher. We all knew he was going to be able to throw, like, what he's doing right now. Yep. It's just, it comes down to, like, how many innings can he throw this year? If he throws 100, 120 innings, we'll say. I just, I mean, he has to almost repeat last year's ridiculous ERA and rate and uh, his whip, right? And, you know, the insane K rate, which he can, but I mean, that was easily like a career year for those, for those, those ratios for him. So I don't know. I, I just, I, I just like to play a little bit safer in the first, second round. I subscribe to the school of Dr. Dave McDonald. So um, yeah, I gotta, I gotta play it safe. I gotta play a little safer than, than taking DeGrom in the first round. What about you, Guilds? Are you uh, jumping on the uh, DeGrom bandwagon here? Yeah, I mean, I have. Been. I know you have been, uh, I believe, early on. Yeah, to me, it just comes down to, and I've tweeted a lot of this, it's like in these overall contests, to me, it's like there are risks worth taking in these contests. And to me, getting DeGrom ended the second in a third round when he, he could theoretically be the number one overall player by a mile. That's in his range of outcomes. So to me... <laughs> that risk is worth that reward. I don't usually like to take a risk per se that early, but he's so good. He's so far away, the best pitcher in baseball. That discount is is massive to me. So, um, yeah, I was taking him, and I still am. If I see him in the end of the second round, he's not lasting that far, you know, like you said. So, um, I mean, from all reports, you know, he, everything's healthy. His UCL is perfectly fine. I mean, yep. it's his contract year. He's refusing to negotiate, True. which I read that. And I'm like, that's a great he's confident. Right he's confident. He's confident yep. in himself. He feels yep. great. I'm like, if he gives me 120 innings right now, I'll sign for that. I'll, I'll be honest. I've been fortunate in my – because, like, when I'm seeing things, I'm like, okay. this. Like, I kept saying all offseason, like, I just want to see him throw – and I'm sitting there going, okay, I can't buy in. Well, the two drafts I've done since spring training started, I've had the third and the fourth picks. So I've not to worry about that, thank God. But if it's one of those, if I'm sitting there in the back of round one, it's going to be a hell of a dilemma. Because <laughs> it's going to be on the back of my show. Like if Cole and Burns are gone, it's going to be like, okay, do we go Scherzer? Do we go like Bryce Harper, Lubob? What do we do here? Um, Fish, when we have main event drafts in Vegas next weekend, where do you think he goes SP wise? SP three, four, two? Like, do you think he jumped? How, where do you think he lands? Cause like, I think a lot of people are on Guild's like mindset here. If you want to win an overall, it makes tons of sense. I get that completely. Uh, you got to have the stones to do it, especially in a main event, putting up $1,700 to know I could be pissing this down the drain if something happens. But at the same time, I could win hundreds of thousands of dollars. So, where would you have him at, Fish? Yeah, I think he's gonna he's gonna for sure be a first round pick as long as there's no setbacks until then. I mean, still, I don't think even in question. I think he's gonna go top half of the first round. So is, mm-hmm. is he still at, is he still after Colin Burns? Um, I th- he might jump Burns. <laughs> he so might. That's, that's yeah. why. That's why I'm asking. This kid get in. This is this is part of the round table. It's fun as you guys are seeing how wacky that stuff gets in those rooms. And when they these guys see a starting pitcher with his upside, I would not be shocked on this. The, the thing is, like, if we're, if we're looking at the pitching landscape, like, right now, and this this seems to happen every year. So, like, now we got Sale out with, an, you know, an injury, right? So, it just kind of thins thins the herd. So, we're, we're all with Sale. Uh, we got the Wheeler issue. And the people are going to be a little bit nervous about that. Um, so, he's going he's gonna to drop down a little bit. There's just – it seems to happen every year. Like, just some of the pitchers go get hurt by the time main events roll around, and then everybody – 
wants to make sure they get a starting pitcher. So they all get pushed up. And then it's the problem is it's not just those guys get pushed up. Then the middle tier gets pushed up. So, yeah, I think he's for sure going to go in the first round. Um, and I, th- I would bet that he goes in the top half of the first round. What about you, Gilds? Where do you see him going in the landscape of pitchers? Yeah, I I, uh, I agree with Fish there. I was tweeting with uh, the War Dog, I think, this week on that. He was guaranteeing it. This was, you know, maybe a week ago or whatever. I'm like, you think so? And every day, you know, closer, he's just rising and rising. Yeah, so I, I could see definitely first round. It's just a matter of where now in the first round he's going to go. I don't know. I, I think Burns will still maybe uh, be ahead of him, but it's going to be close. Uh, Cole's going to be the number one because, you know, with there's no health, you know, as far as we know, no health risk right now. So, but uh, Burns and, and DeGrom, I mean, that could be 50-50 depending what, which draft room they're in. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to seeing that first board that has DeGrom going ahead of Burns because Twitter will explode. It'll be glorious. Oh, yeah. It'll be absolutely might- glorious. You might see the Grom one hundred and one. Oh, I'm not. I, I would not be surprised. Like if he jumps Cole, I wouldn't be surprised. But it'll be just legendary stuff. That'll yeah. be just some of the somebody best things wants, I've ever seen. Somebody wants their name out there. Pretty as, much as the, the guy that did that. What so. website does he write for that needs popularity to get clapped? <laughs> <laughs> no, click, click, click. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so that'll be fun to watch. You mentioned Zach Wheeler fish. Uh, it was another one of those like we probably could have heard about this two months ago type thing that he's now he's got the the shoulder issue he's saying it's not too bad he should only miss like one maybe two starts through the rotation i don't know i hear shoulder and i'm always sketched so what are you doing with him fish because i liked wheeler where he was going he's gonna drop so what are you doing how far does he have to drop for you oh that's a good question because man did i love wheeler in the draft season he was my sp3 so behind burns and or behind cole and burns whichever way you want to go with that um yeah i uh i think to me it sounds like he's fine he's just a little behind because he wasn't able to throw while he did have that issue now whether that can pop back up again that's kind of another another question and it definitely can i think um so yeah i think i drop him down i drop him down i I definitely have scherzer over him now woodruff i would take over him and then, yeah, I don't know after that. I, where I would actually take him, I, I would definitely – if I had the first pick, I would. I think I'd be willing to take him at the 2-3 turn still. What about you, Guilds? Where are you looking at, Wheeler? It's still a little early for me, especially with this news now. But I think also this kind of speaks to my love for DeGrom also. It's just like every pitcher is at risk. You know what I mean? Like no one is safe. So everyone's saying, oh, you know, DeGrom, did you see it? We don't know how many UCLs right now in these arms are, are shaky. We have no idea. So it's like, you know, it's easy to say, oh, he's safe. Wheeler was the safe guy, and now he's not the safe guy. So to me, it's just like you don't know. You know, they're one pitch away from doing something. It's like nobody's really that safe. So to me, I want the highest upside arm at the best price. And to me, that's been Jake this whole draft season. So I could go up in flames. That won't be the, it won't be the first time. Well, maybe, you know. Second, but, uh, <laughs> but that's how I, I feel that's how i draft that's how I, I you know i go with my gut and if i see something like that i go all in not all in but almost all in and and i just kind of uh you know put the chips in and see where they fall you know well that's that's the beauty of all this because like fish and i were talking about it earlier before we started the show 
about uh, you know Phil has his style. Everyone's got their way of drafting, and you don't try to emulate them. Like do your way. Obviously, yeah. it's worked. For, it's worked for you. We talked about it when we did the show together. Like your way works very, very well for you. So why would you change that? Like you have that uh, that let's go for the big pot mindset where some people will go in there going, okay, let's just like let's just win my league. Let's not worry about the overall. So there's there are many ways to do it. Uh, obviously, we've talked about it before that maybe you should do a different league because you won't be giving up the vigs and all, or all the different where the money goes to the main pots and everything. But uh, there's definitely ways to do it. So it makes a lot of sense in those regards. And uh, with Wheeler, it'll be interesting. And you mentioned that the UCL thing is we were talking with uh, somebody a couple weekends ago at the barf draft. And he says, if you talk to any pitcher, they all have something wrong with them. They yeah. all do. So just it's just to what severity and how can they handle it type situation. So I just, I just laugh when I hear this guy is say, you know, these guys are throwing 98, 99 miles yeah. per hour. It's like Nobody's safe. You don't, no, none of these guys are safe. It's not like the old I days mean, where you're going right and popping ad. Yeah. It's not yeah. the old days. <laughs> I still remember those commercials. You guys probably do too. Some other people listen that are too young for that, but uh, those are some commercials for you. Another pitcher, Jack Flaherty. And um, I wasn't on mm-hmm. Flaherty for multiple reasons going into draft season. And um, so this is uh, one of those like, well, now more people won't be on him, I think. But Whenever you need a second opinion, that's never good. It means the first one sucked. So, uh, Guilds, are you in, out on Flaherty? Oh, I mean, I'm out unless he drops crazy late. I saw earlier he's being shut down for a few weeks, and he won't even throw for a few weeks. So then that's I guess uh, they'll see then. But, yeah, I mean, unless he drops to, like, a crazy, crazy price. I have no interest there. Yeah. What about you, Fish? No, I'm I'm way out now. Completely off my board. I, I have I have two shares, so I wasn't really in on them in the first place. My first one was the very first draft of the year that I did back in October. As my I got them as my SP three. And then of course I just fell into the trap in the sixth round <laughs> yeah. in the in my in one of the thousand dollar DCs as my SP two. So yeah, that didn't that's not gonna work out too well. But uh yeah, no, I'm I'm way out on yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, let's talk Jesse Winker. I want to bring him up real quick because, yeah, he's healthy. That's fine. But, uh, you know, traded to Seattle, and you look at all these projection sites, some really smart people, they dropped his batting average tremendously, changing ballparks. And I get it. The Leaving Great American Small Park's a big deal. But um, how much is he dropping for you guys? Because uh, some people are making it sound like it's the end of the world with Jesse Winker going to Seattle Fish. Uh, yeah, this one, <laughs> this one really, really stings. I have 19 shares of Winker. He was oh like, my gosh. That's, over half, massive, that's over half your leagues. Oh boy. Massive, <laughs> massive target for me. He doesn't strike out and he hits the ball hard and he was playing in hitter's haven. Well, of course, now he's not hitting in the hitter's haven anymore. So, um, I, I think that the batting average drop is too much just because I think because he's still going to hit the ball hard and he's still not going to strike out that much. So I think his batting average, while it won't be like around 300, like I was projecting, I I still do think he's going to hit around 280, which is still, which is still solid, but you know, the home runs are going to go down. He's not in the hitters park anymore. Uh, To me, the the lineup is not that much better. If it's, if it's better at all. I mean, I thought the Reds had a really good lineup, even with losing Castellanos. But uh, yeah, it's uh, that one stings a little bit. He's definitely I drop him a little bit for sure. So, what about you, Guilds? Yeah, I would definitely drop him. I mean, I don't know. He, to me, he's kind of, kind of player that he's going to hit anywhere he goes. 
I think. Uh, maybe drop a tad in, in the batting average, but I mean, he's a great contact guy. And, I mean, he's not someone I usually target just because there's no speed there at all. So I just, for where he's going, I prefer someone probably more risky that has a, that has that speed profile. And, uh, you know, I don't mind punting about an average in that spot of the draft and try to grab like a, a Brantley later on, or, you know, a Justin Turner or someone I could kind of give you some relief there, but I mean, he's a fine player. It's just not someone that, that I usually target. Yeah. It's one of those, like I have some shares of him this year, but it was when I was feeling comfortable in steals on my roster. So it wasn't like a, a go getter. Cause I love the, the hit tool that he brings to the table. Now it's going to be suspect. Uh, his ADP is 115 in the month of March, but he's gone as low as 139, which is, should be up probably from the last couple of days. So in a 12-team league, you're talking around 12-13 with Jesse Winker, which I guess isn't that bad. But uh, it's still a, an interesting uh, dilemma with one of the better bats in baseball. Um, let's talk some draft strategy here now because, like I said earlier, we're going from DCs and best balls to now – a lot more fab leagues, some big money fab leagues, your 12-team OCs, your 15-team main events. And um, we'll start with you on this one, Fish, since you've done a million DCs. Um, how's your mindset changing? How are you taking the like the info you've gained from drafting those to now going to fab world and where it's different? Because like Guilds has mentioned before, you could take some chances. You could do some of this and that. How are you approaching things with all the DC experience? Yeah, the mindset's definitely different. Um, for starters, closers. I was I'm completely on board with taking closers early in draft champions leagues, but in any any league with a fab league, I'm not really. Um, I'm, I'm perfectly fine waiting to you know get that second, third tier, getting one of those guys, and then grabbing a couple spec guys late. There, there's going to be so much turnover with closers that you're, you'll be able to play the waiver wire perfectly fine in fab leagues. But in non-fab leagues, that's where the issue is because you just you don't know who the closers are going to be, right? So when you're doing your draft, like that's why I like to lock in those early closers. But completely different mindset in that sense. Um, in 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 online championships, I'm much more willing to take on some uh, some risk. Somebody like Byron Buxton becomes like a a pretty big target for me. There are only 12 teams in online championships, so the the uh, the, the the free agent the waiver wire is it's it's got you know serviceable players essentially so if he does miss time you can still pick somebody up that is going to produce stats in draft champions it's a little bit tougher 15 team league and it's uh you know if he gets hurt it's you're 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 just digging in your bench you're hoping that one of your bench guys has a, a somewhat role and it's just it's tougher main event is kind of the same way as in draft champions for somebody like boxing for me it's the, the waiver wire just isn't as as deep, so I would be a little bit more hesitant to take somebody like Buxton. But twelve team OCs all day, all in. What about you, Guilds? As we start getting ready to get going, you d- you did an OC last night. Uh, we did an OC together recently. Like we've, uh, you, you, how many have you done so far? Actually, uh, that was five. That was my okay. fifth one. And I I usually only do around four, <laughs> but I saw that that new tool that came out. I haven't really looked into it much, but the fab apparently tool? it's going to help us do fab. So I'm with you. I'm dumb enough. I'm like, okay, let's just keep loading up now. Let's go. Yeah. Now we're in. But I think just one more OC now, and, and that that's it. And then the mains. How many mains are you doing? Uh, I think three. I'll be doing okay. three. And I have some uh, cut lines I have signed up for, too. But, you know, those those I don't mind yeah. too much. 
although the fab days on the cut lines is like just it's painful. Crazy. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Those are like the worst fabs of any league I do. Mm-hmm. They're only what two days a season, days. but they're grueling. <laughs> Most definitely. So how has your mindset kind of changed as draft season's gone on? I know you might have done a few DCs and everything to kind of learn the player pool and whatnot, but your five O season, you're about to go mm-hmm. from your OCs to your to your main tier pretty soon, which definitely like Guild said I mean Fish said it makes a ton of sense. Like you can kind of be more risky in an OC where 15 because the player pool shrinks up. You almost want to be more boring and safe. And that's just the, the way it works. If you look at past champions, it makes a lot of sense. So how are you changing your kind of approach as in philosophy and drafts? Yeah, I totally agree with fish there. So it's a completely different mindset in the 15. You can't be nearly as risky. And, um, you know, like you said, replacement value is not nearly what it is in, in a 12 teamer. And I've been saying this too with the closers, like all fat, all all off season to see them go like Hader and Hendricks and, and round two of a Fab League, to me is a huge mistake. And I've been seeing it all season. It's like just from a game theory, you know, aspect, someone's going to hit on these closers in the ninth, tenth, eleventh, you know, rounds to to pass on those bats or even pitchers at that price when you know there's going to be other teams in this contest that are going to hit on those guys later on, you're giving up so much uh, opportunity cost there. So um, I keep seeing it every draft I'm in and I'm not, you know, I'm happily just, you know, seeing them hit those, those, those uh, uh, closers. And I'm waiting, you know, until the very end of that, in that first range, you know, the end of that, that range of the first closers and, you know, I'll grab a Barlow, a Scott Barlow in the middle, a Knievel, you know, those kind of guys is my, is my two you know, a couple spec guys later on and you make it work. But uh, yeah, I think that's been a, definitely a market uh, inefficiency uh, picking these closers early in fab leagues. But like what Fish said in a DC, completely different. I, I understand it. It makes sense. Um, I still don't like to do it, but at least I understand it yeah. as a, as a strategy and, and something, you know, that, that does make sense where in these fab leagues, I, I would not be doing uh, a closer in round two or even three. Or four, or five, or six. I've been finding myself in some of these twelve teamers. Maybe like round five or six, I might grab one of them if they fall. Yeah. I'm not forcing it like I was before. Like I'm not like a DC as I was, and like I was with everybody else in you know January. Even I'm like, okay, yeah, when people start drafting OCs and stuff, this is going to go away. This isn't happening, and it just keeps going on. And I'm sitting there going, okay, I guess people like to just feel comfortable. I don't know. That's the only thing I can think of is, like you said, no pitcher safe. Like, not especially a closer. Have we not seen anything in this era of baseball? But uh, like the I one mean, thing, I, seen, yeah, that's hard. Go ahead, Bobby. But I say the one thing I took away, like one of many things, but like when Toby and I do Tuesday nights, we review the Fab from the week before. And some people, I don't know if it helps them or not, but for us, it's just talking through players and kind of the mindset of what you're doing and maybe looking ahead because maybe they're still on your wire. But one thing that I really learned by looking at this is in fab leagues, especially those 12 teamers, there are so many saves available for cheap in the last two months of the mm-hmm. season because everyone's blown oh, yeah. their wad. There's so much turnover that if you're just playing the game and playing smart and just kind of at least floating close, like probably fifth or sixth in your league in saves, you can make a gigantic jump late in the season if you really play it right. So that makes me, again, not want to force my hand come draft season because of all the turnover. So what were you going to say, Guilds? Well, to that point, too, I remember in one of the OCs uh, last year that I won, I had like seven closers on my, my squad by the end of the season. You could just grab them for a dollar. You know, teams, like you said, are giving up in, in July. It's like, it's just wild that, that you want people are investing that high a draft pick, you know, uh, on a closer. 
Um, yeah, I forgot what my previous point was. Uh, it was something to that effect as well. Taking them early, making them feel safe. Um, oh yeah, uh, yeah. I was looking at like a like a, a Chapman or something on the Yankees. Would it yeah. shock you if he had thirty five saves or thirty? He's going round seven, you know, yeah. and eight in some of these. It's like He's done it almost every year. At worst, he gets you twenty five probably. Yeah, yeah, just wait for him. Like it's you don't need to to go crazy early. It's like well, these guys are gonna fall to you. Just you know, grab your Machados, grab your Tim Andersons, your Pete Alonzos, build that power and speed, and then grab one of those last of the the top tier guys, and then go spec after that. And at least in a twelve teamer, you'll be all right. Honest question, I have this for you, Fish. Um, and we again, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier before we started recording. Um, Phil had his way. And it worked phenomenally for him last year. He took those two early closers. And Phil has been documented all over the place. And by no means am I talking down about Phil because what he did was freaking insane. Like, it was amazing what he did. But we've also all agreed you need to do your way because you have to run pure to make things work. And the odds of drafting just two closers super early and making it work usually doesn't work too well. Do you think that might be influencing a lot of people going, look, he just won all this money and he took closers early. This is what we have to do from now on. Yeah, it definitely has, okay. for sure. Um, I also think, though, that just with the lockout, we didn't have any information. So there was only like, yeah. you know, well, we thought Will Smith was safe, right? Yeah. <laughs> Turns out he's not. So, like, there was only, you know, what, I probably seven, eight closers, closers that we thought were actually mm-hmm. safe. So if you didn't get them, then you were just playing the spec game. And, like, I got killed with Ian Kennedy. I have like 19 shares of Ian Kennedy. I thought for sure he would sign somewhere to close. Well, he goes to Arizona, of course, and he's not going to close. No, he could uh, jump into the role at some point, but he's not going to start as a closer. All right. This um, closers is fun and all, but we have breaking news on the show. Nick Castellanos just signed with the Philadelphia Phillies. Thoughts? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Whoever wants spot, to take yeah. it. Like, and they just signed Schwarber. Ah. So this is bananas to me. Like, they're just – they're going for home run derby. His ADP before he signed, going into today, sixty-seven overall. So run with that if you'd like. I love the landing spot. I was always nervous because I wasn't. Sure. I didn't want him to sign with San Francisco. I was scared to draft him all draft season, man. He was he was rumored to you know the Marlins and like those are pitchers' parks. So I was a little bit nervous about him, but now he's in in a hitters' park. He's got a loaded lineup. Yeah, I've always been a Castellanos guy, so. I'm probably back in again, but now his now his price is going to go up, so I don't know if I'll be fully in or not. But yeah, that's amazing for the Phillies. What about you, Guilds? Yeah, no, I agree. That's that's a great spot for him. Big lineup, Harper there. He's going to score a ton of runs, hit a ton of homers. That's that's a great spot. Yeah. So definitely yeah, bullish. I think. That... Yeah. Sorry. Continue. No, I was going to say. I mean, I got him last night. Ended a sixth round, and I mean that was. That's a steal. You're not going to see that anymore moving forward, I don't think. <laughs> no, this is kind of like I was saying earlier with the, the Jansen or the Trinan stuff. I was kind of kicking myself because I've been, like, hesitant. And now, like, that's going to become a great value. Casty, I've been super hesitant on all draft season because I was like, you guys were saying, is it wasn't long ago we remember Detroit days where he was good, but he wasn't the draft pick we were having to draft him at right now. And that could easily have been a scenario that took place, not per se Detroit, but a bad ballpark. Like, if even, even if he went to the Giants, I would have been kind of scared. Like that's just the and he was rumored to go to the Giants. Yeah. Um, Philadelphia can't ask for many better places outside of Cincinnati. 
So that's pretty darn good. And, and here's what roster resource has, and obviously not the end all be all. This could easily change, but they got Schwarber leading off, which we've seen in the past. Casty second, Harper third, Riamuto fourth, Hoskins fifth, Segura sixth, DD seventh, Bomb eighth, Odebel Herrera ninth. So Segura wow. goes from leading off to sixth. Hoskins goes from like second or third to fifth. But you got Schwarber and Casty at the top of the order. Um, it's pretty juicy. But yeah, thoughts. this NL East is getting tough. Wow, what a division! Now. It's crazy. It's real Atlanta, tough. Atlanta Phillies. What are your thoughts on um, how this affects the pitching though? Because he can't play defense. That team's defense is taking a hit right now. Well, he would DH, I would think, right? Would he no, DH? they got – according to this, they have Schwarber DH and Casty and left, Harper and oh, right. That's right, Schwarber. Yeah, yeah. that's what I'm saying. They got Schwarber there. So you have Hoskins back at first. And, yeah. <laughs> that's rough. <laughs> yeah. yeah they, they probably have one of the worst defenses in all of the majors. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's crazy bad. But would that would that affect your thoughts on uh, a Wheeler, a Nola, any any pitchers in Philly? Or are you just like you know what? Like they're supposed to be close to aces. We're going to just hope it works because it did affect Nola last year. If you look at his numbers, the the BABIP and everything went up, and part of it has to be defense. Part of it is just he wasn't good, but or as good as usual, I should say. So does that affect anything for you guys? Very little for me. Yeah, to me, it's more the outfield that's shaky, right? I mean, the infield defense is more of a impactful to a pitcher, I would think, right, than the outfield. But yeah, still, it's not it's not a good thing. I can't I can't think. <laughs> yeah, I'm just bummed on Segura going to bat six. Like Hoskins still fifth, I can live with that. I preferred him at second because I love Hoskins, but I'll live with fifth. Segura, I was loving as like a late middle infielder with about you know ten ten steal, ten homer upside, a little more maybe if he gets going with great batting average. That in sixth, um, he's probably still okay, but not what I like. That leadoff for the Phillies to score all those runs, that's going to be a detriment right there. So, I still think he could hit leadoff. I don't know. It could easily buy. change for sure. Like they could just move everybody down and Hoskins hit six now and just move everybody down one. I wouldn't be shocked if all of a sudden Schwarber's second, Cassie's third, Harper's four. Like, that's definitely doable. I mean, I would do that. I mean, I would do that if I were them. Personally. So yeah. It's crazy though. If you look at the OBP skills on this team, like Schwarber's an OBP guy, Casty obviously again, Harper's yeah. a monster, Riamuto, Hoskins is a monster. They're gonna have dudes on base all like Segura could get hundred RBIs. Okay, I'm just kidding. Because those guys will be on base all the time. <laughs> I just don't like not having any speed at the top. And you got Schwarber yeah. and Castellanos. Yeah, I mean running. They're not running, but no, yeah. not at all. <laughs> they're not running at all. And I guess that kind of puts the Trevor story to Philadelphia to rest. I'd imagine because that was still a slight chance. Um, you could still get Bryson Stott to play shortstop over Didi, but I guess it puts Trevor Story to rest. Let's let's put that one there. I don't know. They might they might just go for it. <laughs> Some of these teams know. are, so you never know. You're right. I'm not you gonna say know. never. Never say never anymore. <laughs> Didn't Castellanos put him over the luxury tax already, though? Yeah, I, I bet you. I haven't that. looked at the numbers. I guarantee you, it's going to turn in the NFL where they're going to start giving out some like signing bonus. They're going to massage like like uh, McAfee always says with football. It's called a uh, it's um, salary cap gymnastics. It's like okay, we're going to give you all of this in a signing bonus now, so we only owe you two million dollars this year. So it's still all guaranteed. Like it, there's so many ways around it. I guarantee you, baseball's been taking notes. Let's put it that way. Yeah, so we'll see. All right, back to some draft strategy talk, though. Uh, we've kind of gone 12 versus 15s. Um, when you're doing 12 versus 15s, Fish, are you? does your starting pitching approach change? Are you more aggressive on the aces in 15s and in 12s? Or are you still 
trying to get a couple beasts pretty early. So I know you're an ABCs guy. I know your philosophy in drafting. Are you still like super aggressive in a 12 compared to a 15 per se? Uh, yeah, I am actually. I still, I think you, if you go, you know, if you, I think it's easier to do a pocket ACES strategy in a 12 than it is a 15 for oh, this sure. year. Yeah. Um, you could still build an incredible offense. So like my, I'll, I've only done one OC so far this year, but I started Burns Scherzer. And then I still was able to get Starling Marte, Trevor Story. Uh, I actually got Freddie Peralta in the fifth. So I went three, three starters. And I got Randy Rosarine in the sixth. So I, I, I got a lot of speed. I got a, a lot of starting pitching. And then I backfilled with, a, a you know, a lot of uh, power bats. Nolan Arenado, Handiger, Votto, took Mitch Garver as a, you know, as locking up a power source for the catcher position. So I, I still think you can um, build a really, really good offense by loading up pitcher early in 12s. What about you, uh, Gilds? Yeah, I'm definitely more aggressive in the 12s in pitching. Uh, the 15s, I'm, you know, I, I'm a little – it also depends on where your, your draft slot is as well. That, that plays a big part of it. But um, I generally don't like to do too early – Aces in a, in a fifteen, um, just because you can get shot out of speed very easily, right? And like you said, Marte fell in the third, but what if he doesn't? And then other people are jumping to speed, and next thing you know, you you, you know got you got twenty seat. steals, and it's round six, and you're panicking and you're chasing, and you never get there. And that's mm-hmm. the thing in, in these mains is like, if you fall behind big in one category, you know you might not get catch up. <laughs> And, and the wider is not going to help you much either. I had one year where I was – I had a trailing in speed. But in the one category, I could never catch up the entire season. There was nothing on the, on the wire. It's like I didn't draft enough at the table. And I said this on our first pod is if you're drafting a 15-team league, you need to draft a winner at the table. And that's the yeah. big difference to me versus a 12 where you could supplement your team a lot easier throughout the, the waiver wire and whatnot and – you can't do that in a 15. It's just not there. If you don't draft a winner in, in a 15 teamer, you're, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough sledding. Yeah, that's why I've told so many people, they're like, why do you like playing 12 so much? I said, because I like to have fun. That's just yeah. my mindset. <laughs> like 15s, I can play them, but it's just a freaking headache. You have to like the draft, you got to kind of play safe, but kind of take your risks where you can. You got like, everything you guys have been saying. And then the worst part is when a guy gets hurt, your replacement value is just freaking brutal. Like your season's almost yeah. over. Like a 12, you can still kind of survive for a while, barring just all hell breaking loose. Like you can make things happen, and you're not you're not really out of it unless it's just a bad, bad break for you for a season, like multiple injuries and just shit happens. But um, that's why I've, I've just – and you get the drafts for something much more fun. Part of fantasy to me is having fun, so I'll take my chances in 12 and, and roll those dice. I'll play my 15th, but I prefer the 12 for those reasons. And I think your draft strategies, you don't have to stay as strict on it. Like we've talked about some kind of ideas here. But I've done a lot mm-hmm. of 12s, and I've gotten pocket aces for the first time recently, where usually I do. Uh, I'm in a draft right now where like five of my first six picks are all hitters, which I haven't done all year, but I love it, and I'm comfortable with it. Like, There's there's ways to do it in a 12. That you, in a 15, if I would have gone five hitters in the first six picks in a 15, I'd be probably like oh, – you'd see stuff running down my leg at some point in time because I'd be not liking life. So <laughs> it's uh, it's just a different animal on how you have to approach things. And that kind of leads like statistical and positional scarcity. So 
Um, do you guys see any specific – I know everyone talks stolen bases. We've already kind of discussed saves as not being as scarce as we should probably make it out to be. But do you – like? we'll start with you, uh, Fish. Is there any like either positions or statistics that you're way more aggressive on and say a 15 than a 12? Um, I think catcher is one of them. I mean, we all know a catcher like isn't great, um, but in a twelve, you can still get a couple good catchers, you know, later on. But in a fifteen, if if you're you know through round twelve, you're in round thirteen, and you don't have any catchers, it's it can get pretty ugly. You're going to be taking a lot of part time guys there at that point. So I think catcher is definitely one of the one of the positions. Um, one of the big things for me. Um, is closers though again closers shocker in 12s you almost need to have three closers great point um, whereas 15s you need to have two but then there's all the the fab versus you know draft and hold strategy coming to play so it's it's that's a tricky position ba- that really based on format that you'll see my opinion change the most on what about you girls yeah to me it's speed it, it is yep. that is a a vital, vital category in the 15 teamers. And it's very easy to miss out on some of these targets. And then if you do, you're in a lot of trouble because the wider is just not going to afford you those stolen bases. And you really have to get him at the draft. Um, and not to say that you don't in a 12, but, you know, like we've been talking, it's just easier to maneuver. You'll find guys, a Manny Margot or something to plug in for a couple of weeks. Um, you know, Manny Margot is on somebody's bench in a 15-teamer. He's, you know, he's probably one of the, their sixth outfielder or fifth outfielder. Um, it's just a completely different animal. So, to me, speed is something I'm, I'm drafting early and often in a 15-teamer. Um, and that's really it. Yeah, I, I can't go after, you know, a few three, four rounds without having at least, I don't know, 40, 50 steals on my team in a 15-teamer. Minimum. Yeah. That's what in a fifteen. It's really tough, like you said. Yeah, it uh, it feels like if you're drafted in the back end around one, it feels like you're getting crippled right out the gate because you're either like we talked about Harper's fine, you get ten to twelve steals, or whatever. Tucker, it's like I think that's why like Lou Bob gets pushed up as he should. Ozzy Albies, I started to see move a little more because he's more of the twenty steals plus guy, which I mm-hmm. get. Um, or you start taking pitches, and then you really start to like pray that Rosarena or T. Oscar falls to the third round, which. It's weird at times, so that makes it quite tricky for sure. Um, when you guys are doing the KDSs, and if you don't want to give out your strategy, I get it. Big drafts are coming up. But, like, I've just been, like, Modica calls it straight beta. I've just been doing that. Like, I'm fine just figuring it out. And early on, I was in the back end. Lately, I've been on the front end. So when I really counts, I'll probably be stuck in the middle. That's where I see things going. Guilds, where do you prefer, like, what range of the draft do you prefer right now? Yeah, I'm content at the top there. Like, I think most people are. You have those few bats that are kind of, you know, above the rest there. Um, you do have Cole early there as an option. Um, Tatis now hurts, you know, takes one of those bats away. But uh, I'm fine anywhere, middle and up. I don't really want to go uh, down too low because I feel like if you're in that middle part of the, the round, you can still grab that ace on the way back if you want, if you go bat first round. Um, I don't want to be at the back end. Like I'll see teams and these 15 teamers go pocket aces, you know, in a 15 hole and their first bats at pick 45, you're going to be chasing a lot of accounting stats, the whole draft. I mean, 
I wouldn't do that. I don't think that's a good strategy. So um, I'm not trying to go near 15, 14, 13. Put me 10 and up. I'm content. That's fair. That's fair. And what about you, Fish? Yeah, I completely agree. We got our tag team draft up coming up here on Sunday, and my partner and I got pick nine. And I'm like, oh, this is just miserable. Yeah. I don't, and you know, we're, we'll discuss who we, you know, how we want to attack things. But no matter how you attack it, you're just going to be short on speed in those first first two rounds. I mean, even if you even if you take Harper and you know at nine, like. Are you going to take another hitter at two? Like, are you going to push up someone like Starling Marte or Cedric Mullins? Or and if you don't, will they fall to you? At, you know, pick thirty nine. It's you can you can really really get behind on speed. So it's it's. I just don't like not knowing, right? So like that's the biggest thing. Like if I'm in picking in the top four, okay, or top three, you know, okay, perfect. I know that I if I want if I if I want to you know skip the, the ace, I I can hammer a, a really elite stolen base guy right in a lead five category bad so yeah, like, yeah getting, i definitely want like, trade the draft yeah getting trey turner or j ram for me in the first like i'm just i sleep real easy after that i'm like okay we're good we got a cushion let's go play some yeah. ball but man like you don't have that cushion much farther down the good thing for your tag team league i saw the draft order that team hitting uh picking 15th they'll probably go wander franco Alberto mondesi so i might leave someone floating for you on the way back so you'll be okay <laughs> Um, you don't have to worry about that. I hope they do. Uh, yeah, in season, I have a couple in season questions. I know we're not really there, but uh, just some ideas from your guys' past experience in these leagues. Um, and it's a fun conversation because I know I talked to Dusty Wagner and he's like, team, just like drop dudes. Like, I don't care. How do you guys go about it? Because that's like a toughest thing for a lot of people is when a guy's hurt or you know, there's these struggling, but you know, the potential's there. How do you know when to drop someone, uh, guilds? Yeah, again, that's it's format dependent for me. 15s, you, you can't be that quick to drop somebody. You have to give that player some time. Just if they're getting the at bats, that's really what it's about. And in a 15 team league, you want that volume. So the guy's got to be really dreadful getting every day at bats for you to drop him in a 15 team league. Whereas as a 12, if you're getting that no production out of a guy playing every day, and you know, he wasn't one of these highly touted prospects or a high-end draft pick or something you should be turning that roster as much as you can you can't play a guy in a 12 that's giving you or even rostering the guy that's giving you you know next to no production for you know weeks on end so it's just a mindset where you got to be a little more aggressive in the 12s and 15s need to to you know apply a little more patience uh, on that on that side of the defense what about you fish I'm pretty much exactly what Guild said. I really don't have much to add. Twelves, you have a, a, like I've kind of mentioned before, you have a deeper waiver wire. So it, it's don't just drop somebody just to just to pick somebody up. Like make sure at least it's a, you know a decent player. Twelves, there are decent players. Fifteens, it's uh, it's, it's pretty often. slim picking. So yeah, now, I'll start with you on this one, Fish. Uh, streaming pitchers it used to be a thing that was pretty common around. Like everyone's like, oh, it's just stream. In recent years, we've seen it be a little more difficult. Like these guys really do suck. There's a reason why they're streaming. That, that's just the, the harsh reality. They're not going deep into games, and sometimes picking like a middle reliever that's going to be an opener or something might be better than a a streamer at, from time to time. So, how do you go about streaming pitchers in leagues? And it's it's probably more prominent where this is a question in a 15 because the pool's so low. Where in a 12, you can like heck. There was times last year I can grab Herman Marquez on the road, and I was like, sweet, this is awesome. Where you'd never dream of that in a 15. 
So how do you go about streaming pitchers? Because it's part of the deal. Yeah, I try to avoid it as much as possible. <laughs> I mean, those, those two-star two guys are always just so intriguing. And you're like, oh, well, if he gets me five starts in each start, then I got 10Ks for the week from this one pitcher spot. But the downside is just so incredible. So this is why I like to take aces early because they can stabilize your ratios. So if you do want to try that once or, you know, twice, or <laughs> I wouldn't recommend, I would not recommend doing it every single week. Uh, you're going to, you're going to kill, you're going to blow your ratios up. The, it all depends though. Um, time of the year, like are we towards the end? Do I, can I make up, is it September 1st? Can I make up ground and strikeouts? How are my strikeouts looking? How close are ratios? Do I have a comfortable ratio lead? If I'm comfortable in ratios, if I'm first in the ERA and whip pretty nice you know comfortable barrier there between from you and second sure then you can take a shot on somebody to gain ground in k's or wins but uh yeah i especially early in the season i'm i'm not i'm definitely trying to avoid that yeah it's funny it's funny you mention it that way because people claim like you have to stream because innings pitched innings pitched innings pitched that's what you want but uh, there's definitely some negatives to that as well. So, Guilds, you're shaking your head there. What's your thoughts on this? Yeah, no, I said that just it kind of brings me back to my OC run last year with Phil and, and Curtis. Um, at the very end of the year, I was trailing in ratios and wins, which is like probably the two worst categories, right? Because if, if you're going to stream crappy pitchers, yeah. your ratios are – you know, you might get the wins, but you're up. just going to drop in ratios. So, I remember I had uh, Matt Manning and uh, – Vladimir Gutierrez late in the season. And I went with both guys, double dips. I was hit. Fuck it. I got to, uh, excuse me. I got to go for the wins. I got to go for the gusto. You know, I'm in overall, you know, I wasn't holding back. And they both got just blasted the first start of, of that final week or whatever it was. And I'm sitting there. I'm like just sweating. I'm like, take this guy out. And Gutierrez, uh, he let him pitch like four innings, gave up like nine runs. 12 i mean it was a disaster you're just sitting there like pull him pull him um so it ended up hurting me way more than if i started like a chad green or you know name your middle reliever so it's you know it's it's a risk end of the day is you know it's something you don't you don't want to do if you don't have to do unfortunately i was in that position where i was forced to do it but uh yeah you don't want to be in that position where you're relying or gambling on these guys and late in an overall because it's yeah, it was it was painful. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny, not funny, but I relate to your story because in about three or four leagues last year, where I was in the top three, if not the top like one or two, in most of them going into like the last month of the season per se, I was getting I was t- low in wins and strikeouts. Those were my things. I, and I'm like, if I can pick up here, I can run away with a couple of these. Like, let's go. So I, did, I started to do the same thing you did. Next thing you know, I'm like in fifth place because my ratios are taking dumps and stuff. So yeah. I stopped. Like a, a couple of them, I sneaked back in. The, I snuck back into third. But it was a definite lesson. And like, hey, stupid. Um, let's look at the grand scheme of things here. Yeah, you might not get your Ks and wins, but you can still survive and get some money. And you might not win the overall, but you're not going to screw yourself. Let's like start taking inventory on this scenario. And it's also changed how I draft more this year. And it's just like the whole, you like look back at what went right and wrong. It's if I'm looking between two pitchers, it's like, okay, who's got the better K, like the K upside. I'm going your way. I, I know there's some, I know like, you know, the Dylan Ceases of the world, like there's question marks here and there. Cause if he starts walking guys, he's a mess. The dude's got 200 K upside going later in drafts where most guys can't get you 200 Ks. 
And uh, it's just little things like that where I'll start kind of differentiating my picks on stuff like that, which I guess a lot of people probably do. But my dumb brain at, uh, at times is not focused as much on that, more on the overall, you know, stat of the pitcher instead of those little stats that are harder to accumulate without blowing your stuff up type scenario. And that was a, a very clear lesson learned last year. I was like, oh, all right, we're not doing that again. Um, I guess I'm 100% with yeah, you guys. I'll, I'll never forget that Gutierrez start too because I guess they wanted to just uh, take one for the team for that game or whatever, and it was a crucial. Like my whole season was like going up in flames as he's you know throwing you know giving up bombs left and right. It was something I don't know. It was like three and a third, nine earned, and it was just a disaster of a start. And this is the first of the week, so you're sitting there like I, I can already. I can already envision. I can already envision the television guys going. Yeah, he's young. He just needs to get his pitch count up for next season. So they're leaving him out there, and you're sitting there going, "F his pitch count!" Like, come on. So what I what I did after that is I'm crazy with the with the uh, with the points and calculating where my stand. You know where I'm at in the standings. I then calculated where I would have been had I not started either of those pitchers, and it turned out it didn't cost me any money in the standings, but. It was at the time. It was just brutal. It, it helped you sleep a little better. That's good. good. Yeah. So I said, um, I'm never starting this. I, I don't want to see this guy on my team ever again. So I'll never draft him. I see him in these DCs like in round 42. I'm like, I'm not touching him. It's so funny how we all have those kind of memories. Like we all have so many of those memories. Not as many of the good ones. A lot of the bad ones that ruin yeah. things. Um, a couple more things I got. I got for you guys. Just kind of from what we've been talking about here, fish. Um, it came to my mind when Gilds was talking about kind of calculating things out. We've heard a lot of great NFC players. Like, listen to the pool header plot with Rob. He has a lot of dudes on, don't even have Twitter accounts. Like, people don't even know him. And it's really good insight to kind of get an idea on kind of how they approach things. And a lot of them do different ways to track their stats to kind of see where they need to improve and this and that and the other. I'll admit, I'm horrible with Excel. So I'm like literally just looking on the main page and kind of in my brain seeing where things go. Uh, we'll start with you, Fish. Do you do anything in season to kind of make sure your teams are, I guess, maximizing or, or at least in your fab period, maximizing where you need to improve? Um, not in terms first. of the overall. <laughs> no, I mean, not in terms of the overall. Like, I'll look at the league and yeah. see kind of where I'm at. That's that's what it is. You know, that's in terms of the league. And then, yeah, if, yeah, address, address needs in the league wise. Um, no, if I was competing, like we're late in season, we're like competing I'm up there competing for an overall, then yeah, then I'm going to look at the overall and see where I can, where I can really shoot up some points. But yeah, just it's, I know a lot of people are a little bit more into it than I am for sure. It's yeah. just uh, more league based for me. What, what about you, Guilds? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty uh, into the reporting piece of this. So I track every team against the overall weekly and I see where my cat for every category. So I see where, you know, I'm deficient in which category and it'll be color coded. So I'll see the red categories and I'll just alert me, to, you know, for the fab mostly too. what I need, um, you know, in, on this team versus the next team. And those are the categories that I target every week and I track it to see where I'm trending every week. So, uh, eventually I try to get into that green and I just color code the whole, uh, 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 category totals until I'm into that green area, but uh, it just helps me kind of know where my teams are at, know where I need to improve every week, um, and you know it's just my you know it helps in my process uh, of just managing my teams. 
Yeah, I'm jealous of guys like you. I can't remember who it was that Rob had on. He had a similar deal he did for each of his leagues. And it just kind of every time he'd put in his weekly stats, I'd update and just kind of keep him in and out color coded. And I'm like, (laughs) was it it Posma? Or was it someone else? Oh, no, I, 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 was. No, I was just saying I do. That's exactly what I do. Just so yeah, I, I, so I'm, I'm so envious of you guys, like because it's so much easier for you guys too. Because you guys know what you're doing. If I tried to do that, it would take me longer to do that than probably my fab process. So um, <laughs> it'd just be it's impossible. But it'd be fun to do stuff like that. Um, any other draft day tips? Maybe some in season tips for the listeners that because a lot of people are trying NFBC for the first time. So, and like we all admit fancy baseball, fancy baseball, but until you play in some of these higher dollar leagues, it's a different beast. Like it legit is. Like I remember when I drafted with you there in night guilds and I got like, messaged fish later with my team. Um, that was one of the most fun two hour drafts I've ever done. I felt like I was on, I've never done hard drugs in my life, but I could see what people like them for. <laughs> Cause it was just boom, 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 boom. And like ADP was out the window and it, it was awesome. I loved it, but I, I prepared for that kind of stuff where other people probably aren't as, if it's their first time, it's going to be scary. So start with you, Guilds. Any any last kind of words of wisdom or thoughts that kind of would help people prepare for like this upcoming couple of weeks? Yeah, I, I think in the draft room, you know, I think a lot of owners, they're always conscious of what they need on their team, which you should be, obviously. But I feel like they don't pay attention enough to what other teams are targeting and, you know, have a sense of what teams around you need in a draft room where, you know, maybe you take a guy in front of those teams where you, you ordinarily wouldn't have taken them. Uh, you just got to be a little more conscious of not only what you need and, and what your uh, competition needs. And, and that even applies in, into the season, especially late season strategy. I think uh, you have to be very mindful of teams that are chasing you to see what they're what they're trying to get on the waivers and, you know, where they can jump in points. And you got to try to block them and kind of just stay one step ahead of them. Um yeah, it's just uh, it's like that one league I spoke to earlier where I had seven closers. The guy behind me needed saves. So I had him in, in, in fab. I had the, uh, the hammer on him. So I was just grabbing all the closers I could. It was the only category he could gain on me. And so I just hoarded every closer I could find. And that kept me, kept him at bay. And I was able to secure the league that way. So I think just be conscious of not only what your team needs, but also what your competition is doing in your leagues and, and in the draft room. What about you, Fish? What kind of words of wisdom do you got? Yeah, to kind of piggyback off what uh, Guilds was saying, um, how much how much money your competitors uh, that are chasing you have left as well. Uh, make sure you're not overbidding. You could also look to see uh, recent week bids. A lot of teams, uh, like kind of like we mentioned earlier, will, will check out and quit. Um, so if they have money left, it's not really that big of a deal if they haven't made a pickup and, you know, six seven weeks but yeah the guys the guys that are chasing you it's always good to, um good to see what they need for for in season as far as the draft um if you're picking in let's say a 12 team league and you're at pick 11 you can really play off of team 12 so in you know the odd number rounds you'll you'll kind of have an idea what who they're going to take with their two picks so let's say uh, you know, team 12 already has a second baseman and a shortstop in a middle infield and you're in, you know, round 11. Well, you, you need a middle infielder. You don't need to take it right there because they're likely not going to take a middle infielder. Right. So you can take a different position and then on the way, on the way back and the, and even around, you can hammer that middle infield uh, spot that, 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 you know, team 12 would probably not take. So yeah, yep. that's all I got really. 
That's a great point. That's a great point. Um, it happened a lot in Barf. There was guys that we all drafted in the back corner, like, oh, I should have looked more. You weren't gonna blah blah blah. They were all pissed off. I'm like, yeah, you should have paid attention. But uh, that's just the way. That's just the way it goes. But um, yeah, good good points there. The other people in your league thing is a is one that I know I even suffer from from time to time. You get so focused on how you need to improve your team, you kind of forget about the rest of the the realm, and that that does make a big impact. That's why I think in Fab sometimes if I have players to drop. I'm still at least putting bids in on guys, even if I don't need them. Like I'm not putting massive bids in, but you just never know because like it could screw someone else over from getting them. So that is definitely an angle to work with there. I got a listener question for us from the other day. Bill Hammock asks, now that it's fab season, who are players in the top 300 you're apt to take in waiver fab leagues that you weren't in draft and holds? So any players that, like, are you more apt to take uh, an Alberto Mon to see if you weren't? You said Byron Buxton earlier, Fish. Uh, yeah. Players like that. Who are some players that now that you're in a fab league, you're willing to take a chance on? Yeah, like I mentioned earlier, Buxton. In a, in a 12 team, I'm. It, you might as well shoot from some upside. If it doesn't work out, there's still a fallback plan because there's still a waiver wire. 15s is a little bit different, though. Um, I would I would still probably play it a little bit safer. But uh, – yeah, it's somebody like Buxton is for sure. Like that's that's the first name that comes to mind for me. What about you, Guilds? Yeah, I like that. I like Buxton too as one of those guys. I think Monacy is a guy that I'm much more uh, willing to take in, in the twelves um, than I would be in the fifteens. I, I think um, uh, just because you know that the upside is crazy, and then. You know, like I said, the replacement value is a lot more available in the 12. So, um, yeah, those kind of the high upside, high speed kind of those are like the guys you want to kind of shoot for in those 12s. And you don't want to reach for them. But, you know, if they if they come to you in a nice spot in a draft, you should be open to taking them. Uh, Anthony Gialdi asks, when you guys die and go to hell to pay the devil your promised soul, do they have fancy baseball there, too? Um, that was kind of a joke. But he says, name one post-round 40 DC player you're most excited for about this year. So post-round 40. You have 33 uh, leagues, Guilds. Who's your most rostered player after uh, pick 40? I, I'll defer to Fish here, I think. I mean, he's, yeah. How many DCs have you done? You've done at least like 20, uh, 30 of them? Yeah, he named it's, it, he named it, yeah it's probably like mid-20s. Wow. Uh, it's uh, Michael Gibbons for me. That might work out well. Yeah, I'm hoping. I'm really hoping that he can lock that closer role in with the Cubs. Uh, I've got a lot of a lot of shares. I'm 13 shares. So That's not bad. We'll That's not bad. Yeah, we'll see. I can't remember if mine was post round 40 or not. It feels like he was, but was Chris Stratton going after round 40? He was going late. I can't remember. I have a ton of Chris Stratton. I know that much. He was a later pick, so that's what I'm believing in. He had another question though. Are you guys both going to Vegas? Neither going to Vegas? Who's going to Vegas? I am. You I'm going not to going. No, okay. I usually do. A, so I get the football or baseball. I can't do both. So yeah. I think I think maybe I'll do baseball next year, but uh, football I'm probably going to do again in September. Gotcha. So Fish will be there. Um, the question he had, Anthony had, and he'll be there. Of you guys who can drink, of you guys who can drink the most at the Friday night MTM party in Vegas, I'm guessing Fish has this one. But I, yeah, yeah <laughs> I got my money on Fish. I'd bet on myself on that. 
But I'm not going to. I'm not going to win that because main events yeah. the next morning, and I'm not trying to be hungover for the main event. That's like so. I was, that was my thing. It's like MTM trying to get all these big dogs up there to get them all liquored up, so they don't even show up to their draft, and they're so hungover <laughs> they can't even focus, so they can put up with his his rhetoric. Is that what we got going on here? <laughs> exactly. I was. Uh, I was. I'm supposed to do the the New York City main, and I can't do it now. My daughter has her uh, softball season starting, so I was excited to meet Mike, and I was messaging him on Twitter. I'm like, I don't think I could make it now, but uh, I'd like to do that too. I'm only you know 45 minutes to an hour from the city, so maybe next year. Yeah, I was trying to get over there, and I found out um, apparently I am on daddy duty that weekend because the wife has a trip playing with friends that she forgot to mm. mention until Monday. I was like, oh, sweet. Okay, I'm glad I didn't book anything. Thank you. But um, So I, I won't be going this year, unfortunately. But we have one more question here from Richie Oliver. Um, are you downgrading sentiment or outlook on unvaccinated players, especially in the AL East, or is he blowing it out of proportion? If you want to exaggerate, uh, expand even more to Yankees and Mets players who – could be playing because i think that's the absolute garbage and i'm not even trying to be political here i think it's garbage that yeah it, it's the worst rule i've ever seen but uh, yeah so how are you guys approaching those type of players i haven't really thought about it to be honest with you i i'm probably just gonna go with it i mean they're they're playing outdoors right so why that's my thing and the yeah. andy visiting team in New York doesn't have to be vaccinated. It's only yeah. because it's private businesses in New York. That's why Kyrie can't, can't play for the for Brooklyn. and, and home sit games, in the but, stands uh, and watch the NCAA tournament there, but he can't play in the game. Yeah, and opposing players who are unvaxxed can play as well in Brooklyn, but he can't. Yeah. I do so, think, though, this, this is a pretty big story. I feel like that no one's really given too much attention to that right now. <laughs> Because yeah. I just read something earlier today too, where you know they, they they're not budging. Say, they're not budging. So yeah, you might see guys, um, whatever the uh, the service time date is, or they might hold out until that the day before to get vaccinated. And so you might they might miss a few weeks just so they get that money and you know and their service time accrued. So I feel like this is kind of a big deal that no one's really talking about it, but. Uh, yeah. You might get a Kyrie Irving or, or two of those guys, you know, in a big as a big fantasy player, and you're like, oh shit, you know, I'm only getting 120 games out of this guy. Like Aaron Judge, we know Aaron. Well, we don't know, but we're pretty positive Aaron Judge does not have the shot. So right. it's like that's half the games plus you throw in another maybe to what ten games in Toronto. Yep, that's a hundred games. Yep. Hundred games at a 162. I don't think we see that happen, but in theory, if games were to start tomorrow, that's what's happening. And Canada's not budging, apparently. That's not changing at all. Yeah. So, like, I quote tweeted it, like, being half sarcastic, but I said it on a few different shows when that thing you mentioned today about the New York mayor or whatever kind of doubling down on it. I said, mm-hmm. MLB just moved teams to their Florida facilities. This is BS. Like, if you, you just went through this whole lockout where you want to keep the integrity of the game, you expanded the playoffs, put these teams in Florida so they can play. Like, it's just stupid. If they're not going to, and so once you start taking that money out of the city, yeah, things will change real quick. Like just yeah. send them down there for like a month, and we'll see how that one shifts. But um, I'm I, I'm with Fish. I haven't done a ton, but I'm also with you, Guilds, where it's been asked on like every show I've had recently because though it's like made my brain kind of like think about yeah. it. Where it's like, where are you comfortable? Is it two rounds, three rounds? Where are you comfortable moving these guys and still being like, I'm going to take my chance on them. But to me, it's just it's hard to know because you don't know what these guys yeah. are thinking right now. You know, yeah. I mean, one of these guys could be dead set against it, and we have no idea. You know what I mean? It's like we're drafting Aaron Judge. He could be like, screw that. I'm not 
I'm not getting vaccinated. So I'll see you in 2023. Go full, go full Kyrie, like you said. Yeah, I mean, the odds are, like you said, it's not going to happen. These guys make too much money. And I think I, I calculated judges' missed games. It would be like $9.4 million. He's a free agent, too, next, and he won't get service time accrued also. Yeah. So to me, if he, he'd be crazy if he did that, but these guys like, I, I understand, crazy, yeah. Bubba. I understand everybody's got their beliefs and everything, but if you tell me I'm losing 9.4 mil in another year of service time, pick your arm. Like, let's just yeah. go. Like, yeah. like, that's rock and roll here, people. Like, I don't know what to tell you, but everyone's got their rights. That's why I've never fought anybody on this issue. Do what you want to do. I don't care. Like, take care of yourself. But when this, like, you can sit in the stands without it. The visiting team can be without it. Like, all these, you're outdoors. Like, where yeah. are we? what are we doing here? Like, the president of the United States, love him or hate him, just announced that it's over. So what are we still doing here? Why are we doing this? But um, yeah, I think the thing now too to look at is so this is in place in New York City. So are they going to change it now for rich baseball players? You know what I mean? So part of me thinks they're going to just keep it in place. Yeah, because that's the thing is it's because it's yeah because it's umbrella under private businesses. So you can't just be like, well, this private business doesn't count, but you know over here on Goldman Sachs or whatever. And it's uh yeah that's that's the problem. And they didn't do it for basketball all year. Um, you wonder if like the Yankees and Mets, they got the money. Do you go and ask a football stadium across the river? Can we put a ballpark in here for the season? <laughs> That's in New Jersey. Like I'm not even half. I'm not even half kidding. Like you're right there. Like, and I was I was talking to a buddy too. Pitchers though, maybe you could work around that, right? They'll pitch no, road yeah, games, the, the rotation and, and stuff. Unless you sure. have like a long home stand, you kind of maneuver around that. If, if yeah, the, the, the bats are the ones that are going to hurt. Yeah, and like we know, Xander said he's now got the shot. He didn't have it last year. Uh, Rizzo basically said he does without saying he does when people ask him about signing with the Yankees. Like so, because he didn't have it last year either. So yeah, we don't know who does and who doesn't. I'm pretty confident Judge doesn't though. So that's one of the ones where you're just like, okay, because I was actually starting to buy into the guy this year, uh, which is not good. So <laughs> this this will be fun. Fish and I, one guy. Who- one guy who didn't answer yes or no was uh, Jacob Degrom. So I'm definitely playing just another. Yeah, you might, well, might look at PRP injection in your arm while you're at it. Um, yeah, I'll go to his house in his sleep. I'm like, I took you, you know. Yeah, out of all the things, all overseas, man, you better put this fucking. Shot out of in all your the arm, things bro. to derail you, like you said, I don't care. His UCL's healthy, all these things, and he can't pitch because he doesn't get a, get a shot. Yeah. That'll be the death of me. Because he oh, get that's going to be wild. Fish, uh, again, do you have any other thoughts on this before we uh, we move on from it? <laughs> I mean, I, I guess I really haven't thought about it too much. I haven't done a draft in like over a week. So, uh, I, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm kind of coasting into the, the tag team on Sunday. I haven't, like I said, I haven't, th- I haven't really thought about it, I guess. Judge really isn't the, too much of a target for me anyway, so I'm not really – If he is, then you're probably, you're probably good if he's not a main target of yours because yeah. Cole's, got, Cole's got it apparently, and that's all that matters on the Yankees. Um, yeah. The other thing that I mentioned on my show last night is, well, if we've learned anything from the COVID season, and this could basically be like a COVID thing, obviously, with these teams – uh, missing series and stuff, and Ray Murphy said it's like you know when Nelson Cruz used to go into a Ashley Park for four games, like you had that scenario. But at the same time, it's when you're drafting, if you like, you play DFS, maybe don't stack a lot of AL East guys. Just put that in your mind. Like take a few if you want, like take your chances, but don't have like every member of the AL East on your roster because that could be a rough go type deal. So um, before we head on out of here, that was our last listener question. I want to get a, a, a hot take from you guys, but not like stupid, like crazy, crazy hot, but a main event hot take. 
like a hot take. What do you think we'll see next weekend in Vegas that might surprise people? A hot take. Like we talked to Grom could go 1.01. That's a pretty hot take. Um, what's kind of like a thing where you'll you'll walk away like, you know, Dalton Del Don did the yellow brick road and everyone's like, what the heck is this? And it worked out for him. So um, whoever's ready for this first, I know it was kind of off the cuff, but I wanted to make it that way for a reason. Um, what do you got for a hot take that we can look back on in about seven days and go, God, that was silly. Oh. Guilty go first. Jeez, <laughs> oh, pressure. Um, Mike the mouth does not talk to anybody the entire time he's there. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm trying to just think of players that are kind of have some helium. Does Adalberto you know, Mondesi like creep into like the second round? So uh, you know, I, I'm still surprised. He's not rising at all this whole draft. You know, that's one thing that it does. That's a hot take is that he's he stays. Uh, relatively cheap it's like i you know i got him in round five again last night in his oc it's like this is a guy i thought you know people would kind of gravitate towards as, as the off season has gone on but he's been cheap the whole draft season so um he's a guy to pay attention to i think in the mains because you know he might be jumped a little bit there okay fish you got anybody or things like that it's not really um... a hot take <laughs> No, but it makes oh. sense because round five moving up to like round two or three is a jump. It's a it's a jump. I'll say I mean this isn't really that hot of a take, but I'll say five starting pitchers on average go in the first round. I was just about to ask how many pitchers you think go in the first round. So perfect. That's a good one. Because that brings DeGrom, Cole, Burns, Scherzer. Are we still Scherzer. going Wheeler or Woodruff. are we going Woodruff? Woodruff, okay. Woodruff, yeah, that's deserving. Um, and I'll, and I'll, I'll give you one. It's probably not too hot takey, really, because he's kind of he's not that far removed. I think Luis Roberts, a top ten pick in the mains. I like that because and this sounds really stupid, but you guys will kind of understand this because you've played in these enough. Like when I see guys, I've been like really researching and kind of touting or drafting a lot all season, and I see someone that's very good, like a Casey Chaw or someone, all of a sudden jump a dude and put him up there. I'm like, at least someone sees what I'm seeing. Like, we're on the yeah. same page here because, like, you guys got to admit, when you see certain guys do things, you're like, okay, at least we're on the same we're, – we're, we're doing something right. We'll see if it pans out. But um, that, that, that if, if he jumps into the top ten, I will be ecstatic. Let's put it that way. So that is a good hot take. I like that a lot. I like the pitching one because that's always talked about how many jump up there. And we even named the top five, so that makes it even more fun to tell us we're wrong. So that means Wheeler drops out, which I could see happening. Um and then, uh, yeah, who's no. four and five? Scherzer, I guess, would be. He said Scherzer and Woodruff. Scherzer, Woodruff. Woodruff. Bueller, Bueller could sneak in there. Yeah, Bueller's been a weird one this year, man. Certain drafts he goes early, certain else he falls like a lead balloon. It's been a yeah. weird, he's a weird pick. Like, you guys in or out on Bueller this year? Um, I'm, I'm out because I'm was so in on Wheeler and yeah. Scherzer and, and, uh, Woodruff even do. I have all the, all those guys over, so I don't want to say I'm completely out because I mean, if I'm picking that one, and he's there at two, three turn. Of course, I'm going to take him, but I'm out at what his ADP was because I like those other guys better. What about you, Guilds? Yeah, I feel I feel similar too, and I've noticed your riots too as starting to fall a little bit in these drafts. Um, he was one of those you know hot second round picks, I thought, and now he's kind of drifting into the. And then the two, third three, two, into the fourth, even in somebody's draft. So, yeah, um, that's a name I'll be watching too in these mains, kind of seeing where he's going because I could see him going back up in these in these second rounds of these drafts. 
I could definitely see him going up in the second round, or, or if you're lucky enough and say you have like the third or fourth pick, not the worst fallback plan. If all oh, if, yeah. if, pitch, if pitching gets pulled up a lot in the second round, that'd be a nice little fallback plan. So, yeah, fun one to monitor. I know I'll be watching the uh, the ADPs pop up on over the oh, weekend yeah. and kind of see where where things are going. <laughs> but we'll wrap it up there. One. Yeah, what do you got? Bobby Witt will go in the third round and at least one league. That's hot. Yeah, I don't think you're wrong. I, I could see that because someone's going to. Okay, do you think by the time the weekend's over, I, don't, I, don't, I think there's like about six, seven, maybe ten mains. I don't know how many there are. Um, who has a higher ADP, Mondesi or Wit? Like who goes first? As higher as what I mean. That's a, that's a good one. I think Mondesi still, yeah, I don't know. He has that allure. Some, there's like a siege in every one of these drafts. You know what I mean? That'll just jump <laughs> so big time. So true. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with that. I think Montessi probably still be higher on average. And you guys still have Franco going probably a good round ahead of him. Yeah, that's Franco's a good. I, I Franco is a good. I know. Uh, I don't I draft Franco. I have no desire to draft Franco. But I don't either. I don't have any shares. That's but he's a good one because there's people that are in on him too. He doesn't run. He doesn't run. Like he's not gonna run. If he starts running, I will gladly tell someone they were right. But if you told me you predicted he's running for twenty plus deals, you're a fool because he, he hasn't shown it ever, ever in his career. So yeah. like it's just if you one of the flukiest or out of nowhere things to me. That's just my and the power story. isn't and the power isn't yeah. enough. He's a great value that. average asset. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Power and speed are his two question marks. That's yeah. not a guy yeah. I want to take in the top five rounds. He's exactly. like a glorified Luis Arias. Going and round like three or four, like he's he's a hell of a ball player. He's a great real life ball player. He's just not cutting it in fantasy for or Jorge Polanco. You know, I would take him. I would take Jorge over. over yeah, Wander, yeah. and he's going what two three rounds behind him. So yeah, I, I don't get yeah. the Franco love unless he starts running like he said. It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, Jorge's growing on me quite a bit as we keep going through. Yeah, I like I like that pick. So okay, let's have more fun. And so out of Wander, Wit, Mondesi, rank their ADPs. Fish. At the end of this weekend, um, Mondesi, Franco, Wit. What about your guilds? I agree. I think that's that's still the order. Um, you might see, one. yeah, you might see Franco jump Mondesi. There's some like truthers out there even for fantasy i i get the real life player is off yeah. the charts mm-hmm. but for fantasy purposes i, I don't see it yeah and the, the fun thing is going to be is we have like a week of games before the draft so all it takes is wit hitting like three bombs oh, and then yeah. that, or mondesi all has like a two steal game like oh he's back or something like you're gonna see something happen you're gonna be like oh boy here we go so don't buy into too much of it folks but uh <laughs> all right gentlemen i've kept you here long enough i can sit and chat with you guys forever but yeah, um this is great brother. yeah we'll Fish, wrap it up yeah, yeah. Uh, i loved having you guys on like I, I told you guys every time i get done recording i'd love to have you guys back on again so it's easy conversations chatting it up so maybe we'll have to do like a mid-season deal to get people's perspective on finishing out the year or something and kind of get your guys' thoughts on where the, the landscape lies and whatnot and get cujo or some other guys in the room just have a big old fun powwow in this joint but um <laughs> make sure you guys follow guilds on twitter at the underscore guilds but fish is at pile of dial. If you guys want to know, ask him about that later. I'm on Twitter at BD Entrick. And uh, guys, good luck in your drafts. You're in Vegas this week in fish. And whenever you're doing yours, guilds, good luck. And uh, thanks for joining me.
Yep. Thanks for having us on, Bubba. Appreciate it. Uh, yeah, Bubba. Appreciate it, man. You could you also find me. Uh, I'll be vaccinating Jacob DeGrom uh, in his sleep. So that's what <laughs> I love it. Um, Are the Mets, is the Mets AAA team still in Vegas or is it not the A's? I think it used no, to they're in Vegas. Vegas yeah. Yeah. So make sure he has to do like a rehab start. Like he can't start the season on time and just kind of creep over there and just give a little. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody, we'll wrap it up there. This is Bench with Bubba, episode 452. Catch you guys later. Thanks, Bubba. See you.